We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast on a icy, rainy, snowy. Which way would you describe it, Toby? All You're, of the above. My all friend. the above. It, it, it is too, it's thundering, it's lightning. It's a mess. It's, it's slushy. No, it's terrible outside. I, I just want to make this clear. Weather outside is frightful, Chris. Yes, it is. Yeah. We can make this episode as long as we want. Okay. Because as soon as I'm done, I have to go chop trees. Oh. So dra- drag it out. This is the if you're if you've ever in done this, you, you're you gonna get this. out and chop trees in this. I don't think I have a choice, T. Row. One way in, one way out of the neighborhood. I got to be a good neighbor. Got to make Man. sure everyone can get through. Let's you go. You are a lumberjack. I didn't know that about you. I don't know That's that impressive. about me either. <laughs> Please so, get some video of this today. No. No video whatsoever. Uh, so, obviously, we're fighting through. We just wrapped up the Lincoln Riley press conference. And, Toby, let's start with the question that Lincoln Riley answered in his opening segment that everyone seems to have, that everyone's asking on Facebook and, and Twitter and social media. And, I don't know, anyone have MySpace anymore? What's the story <laughs> on the suspended three players? Lincoln Riley answered it right off the top. No new news. And that's kind of been the place we've been the last couple of weeks, isn't it? Uh, yeah, last five or six weeks, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I think it's just going to be we do something called In the Booth on Saturdays and game days. Hopefully folks have seen this by now. Brought to you by Pizza Hut. Brought to you by Pizza Hut. And an hour before kickoff, they flip on the camera. And for the first half hour or so, they usually show the team warming up on the field. Right. And then for the rest of it, they, they shoot the booth, which forget all that stuff. But that first, I'm going to suggest that they flip that camera on two hours before kickoff this Saturday because the anticipation for who's actually going to take the field for Oklahoma Saturday night, it might be the highest rated segment in dot TV history (laughs) if they do that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have any inside information. I don't know if you do or not. 
I am eager to see whether Ramondre Stevenson, Trajan Bridges, Ronnie Perkins, maybe even Jaden Hazelwood make the trip to Lubbock and play on Saturday. In part because, well, in, in full, because they are capable of being tremendous contributors to this team. Not just role players, but difference makers. And we've talked about this for a long time now. We know what these guys are. We know what Ramondre Stevenson is. Stevenson is. He's a fantastic running back, and he gives them another dimension at that pos- position. We know Trajan Bridges is versatile. He almost played defense for a while last year. That's how versatile he is. He did. And he has, according to many, looked fantastic in practice. We know that Jaden, and he's a five-star kid like uh, Jaden Hazelwood is. And we know Ronnie Perkins might be the biggest wrecking ball in the Big 12 Conference. So if one or all four of these guys are there on Saturday night, it makes a huge difference for this team. Amen. We so we'll see. Know. Here's the thing. With the way that things have gone COVID-wise this year, uh, we'll pretty much know there's a good chance they're going to play if they travel. I'm not breaking any news here. Uh, there's no injured players on the sidelines when you're the road team. And whenever they're back home, remember the Gaylord family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, our stadium where we play and we get back to next week at 2.30. Heard of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, they, they can sit in the first couple of rows behind the bench. But on the row, there's, there's no injured players. There's usually no one that's going to play. I know Ronnie made the trip to, to Ames, so that obviously sparked a lot of attention and, and, and excitement. But we'll have a pretty good idea who's in and who's out by the time this team lands on, on Friday, right? I mean, that's kind of been the – unfortunately, we're not traveling until Saturday. We're not going to be there, yeah. <laughs> so, maybe somebody will. I don't know. We're not going until Saturday morning this week because it's a, a night game. But, I mean, that's true. But I don't know who's going to be there to document, you know, whether they're there or not until they actually get to the stadium on Saturday night. Maybe somebody, maybe some young, intrepid reporter will. Uh, oh, you know that they out. will be. All right, real quick, before we look back on what was an amazing day down in Fort Worth, two questions right off the top. I very rarely do this, but I have the phone up. I'm keeping tabs on things, and I think this is a very important question from Jesse Booth. Is Kyler Murray going to win the MVP? Let's just go from zero to 100 right now, Toby. Kyler Murray has put himself in the conversation in year two with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, maybe Derek Carr. But for the most part, Kyler Murray's in this conversation right now, isn't he? Of course he is, yeah. Listen, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, in that conversation too. But if, if the Cardinals were to win that division, and that's a big ask, but they... They, get, they took a chunk out of Seattle's lead on Sunday night. If the Cardinals were to win the West, I think Kyler would have a great chance. Now, it depends on what everybody else does, but right. he is in the conversation without a doubt. And I'll tell you what he's done this year is he has made himself primetime viewing. You know, the Cardinals the last few years have not been a team that you would find on Monday night or Sunday night football. Well, here comes Kyler Murray. And uh, they've assembled a pretty good cast around him. Suddenly, they're on Monday night one week, Sunday night the next. And he's so much fun to watch. That's not going to stop. That's going to be the case for years going forward with this kid. But he and Baker had unbelievable days on Sunday. Yeah, Baker started. And by the way, Craig Moran, our producer, diehard Browns fans, were enemies this week, though it's hard for me to root against Baker as a Raiders fan. Cleveland and Las Vegas is Saturday at noon. But Baker started, to give you an idea of how good his Saturday day was. Saturday or Sunday? 
Did I say Saturday? I'm sorry. Uh, well, Sunday. I thought, you know, sometimes they move games to Saturday. Well, it's the, the only the only that. team that they move games up for is the Raiders because of COVID issues. Everyone else, they move back. But this is a Sooner Sports Podcast. I'll save that for Twitter. Uh, Baker started 0 for 5 with a pick. All right, so you can do the math. He threw six incompletions the entire game, and one of the incompletions was, what, a spike yes. to kill the clock? Yep. He was amazing on Sunday in their win over Cincinnati. He had it dialed in big time. It was so much fun to watch Baker and Joe Burrow go back and forth. I think they traded the lead five times in the fourth quarter oh, alone, and you're going to see those two guys for years to come in the state of Ohio battle it out too. But great to see him get on, back on track. Browns are 5-2. and two. Cardinals are five and two, right? So combined, yep. those two teams are are ten and four, doing a great job. I'll mention this too, just because everyone's talking about their team. Philip Rivers and the Colts do look pretty good, Toby. So you can feel good about we're that. Off to, well. We're off to a decent start. We're off to yeah. a decent start. And then, so getting us back to the Sooners, uh, our man Harry James Taylor says, if we get Ramondre back, the game's not going to be eighteen hundred hours, right? Because he's going to run. I think this is one of the more fascinating stories when and if Ramondre Stevenson comes back because if there is one thing that we've seen, Tiro, TJ Pledger, and Seth McGowan, but more so TJ since McGowan was out against Texas, he has, pardon this pun, he has taken the ball and run with it. I mean, he has taken this opportunity and made the most of it over the last few weeks. Well, I don't think they're taking the ball out of TJ Pledger's hands with the way he's running right now. But what Ramondre Stevenson could do if he plays, we don't know, but what he could do is add another dimension that you don't have in that backfield right now. Right. TJ Pledger's five foot nine. He is not a third down back. When you hear that size, you think, well, this is a guy you, you throw the ball to on third down. Little guy. Look at that. He runs over people. He's a between the tackles, tough physical runner. He has done a better job the last couple of games waiting for the blockers to set up, being patient in the run game. Thus, you've seen him go in back-to-back games over 100 yards. 131 against Texas, 122 against TCU. Seth McGowan, a little more of a darter. Right now, he gets ahead of the block sometimes, but man, he can fly. We saw a couple of times on Saturday, once in a pass route, that when he gets in the open field, it's just electric. And then now you add in, hopefully, Ramondre Stevenson into the mix, who is a beast. I mean, he's a big old bull in a china shop, capable of running anybody over maybe a short yardage type specialist that you could give the ball to. So it gives Lincoln another weapon, another style of weapon to to, uh, play with in that backfield if they get Ramondre back. By the way, we're watching the highlights of Seth McGowan running, and you mentioned it, still learning how to get up field a little bit and, and be smarter about things. But, man, when he cuts right there, Puts that foot down and goes forward. He's a pretty special running back. Well, we, we haven't talked in general about this game. Sooners win it 33-14. They take a 17-0 lead. Um, I use the word consistency in my pregame breakdown, but I think the other C word we can use here, Toby, is complete. This was a complete performance from this team on Saturday. No, you're right, Chris. Uh, really, in all aspects, offensively played well, ran the ball well. They leaned on the deep ball more than they have so far this year. They made big plays in the passing game with Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss. Um, didn't turn the ball over. It's fantastic. Really, Spencer did not put the position, uh, the ball in a bad position all day. A dangerous spot. So, good in every aspect on offense. They made four field goals uh, in the game. Four out of five. The only one that they missed 
was the 54-yarder that Burkich hit off the crossbar. So special teams was good. They got a good return there from Mims as well, who I think he had 193 all-purpose yards in this game. And then on defense, they continued to be very strong against the run again this week. They've been that way all year long. Didn't create a takeaway. That's the only negative you might say. But it was solid. I mean, it was difficult all day for Max Duggan and a pretty nice group of skill position guys that the Frogs have to move the ball. We thought going into the game it was a mismatch with the OU defensive line against the TCU offensive line. And that certainly proved to be the case. Uh, The D-line was in the backfield all day. TCU couldn't run against them. Duggan didn't have time to set up and really do much at all in the passing game. And it was, a, as you said, a complete effort. I thought they got better from the Texas game. It's what you hope for. thought they ran the ball better. Uh, they looked more sound defensively. Again, they were the team that made the big play in special teams. And so that you improve week to week. I thought they definitely improved from Texas to TCU. We'll see if they can do it again this Saturday. You know, you mentioned Marvin Mims. His emergence has been something to behold for a true freshman, set the all-time Texas high school record for receiving yards. He already has six touchdowns this season, which is one away from the freshman receiving record for touchdowns in a year. Four catches, 132 yards. Man, uh, by the way, I just love watching him go up and make that catch in traffic. He's really starting to pardon You know, any more analogies, he's really starting to catch on, really starting to come into his own, Toby. He's fun. I know everyone likes to make comparisons. There's some that say he reminds him of CeeDee Lamb. Others reminds him of Ryan Broyles. He just, he's just a really special young guy who's going to continue to get bigger. He's going to continue to get stronger, and he's going to continue to make big plays for this offense. I just don't see a weakness, you know. He's got the speed to get behind a defense. He's got tremendous hands. We saw that earlier in one of those passes. He had to climb the ladder and bring it down. Mm. He's able to make catches in traffic like that right there. Some guys are bothered by that. He's able to make tough catches with arms and legs and people around him. He's a great punt returner. He's got finesse in his game, the ability to find a hole in a defense and sit down in it against the zone. He understands where the open places are going to be, and he's a freshman. So he carries with him a tremendous amount of confidence and this college ball, this next step thing, doesn't seem to phase him at all. So I don't think this is a fluke. I think Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss are rising to the number one wide receiver level. They're emerging. And it's okay to have two stars. This doesn't have to be a competition between these right. guys. But Mims, as a freshman, is, is showing that maybe he is the next in the line of Clayton, Broyles, Sterling. Westbrook, Hollywood, C.D. Lamb. Maybe the next name is Marvin Mims. Yeah, and what impressed me, too, um, I mean, we, we have two great X and O guys on our broadcast, Toby and Teddy and Gabe, but to see the way, and I think both of them alluded to this, that all of the guys, including Theo Weiss especially, were coming back to the football. You know, they were they were going, they were being aggressive, coming back to the football, making plays. So I thought that was huge. And, you know, in Weez, we've had an opportunity now to talk to Theo in the last two post games. I love his demeanor, Toby. He's just calm. He's cool. Uh, what, is, what did Coach Merv always talk about? Never let your highs get too high. Yeah. Never let your lows get too low. He's just a very calm, cool, collected guy. And I love Theo's yeah. personality. No, and he's another guy who has shown the propensity to make the tough catch, you know, in traffic yep. with guys draped on him. He went... I think back to the Texas game where 
He went up between two Longhorns and got hit hard and hung on. Here's one. He's kind of falling to the ground, stumbling and held on. Uh, he's got maybe more than anybody else on this receiving core has proven an ability to break tackles and get yards after catch. And I don't know if he has the speed of Marvin, but he's got enough to get downfield and beat you deep as well. There you see physical player can make tough catches over the middle. So there's a whole lot to like about Theo Weiss. I think he's a guy whose touchdown totals are going to continue to rise. I agree. Because Spencer Rattler is, and he said this to you in his postgame interview, he's a guy that's proving to Spencer, you don't have to make the perfect throw. I'm going to get it for you, okay? Which, you know, whether there's a defender there or two, or it's a tight window, he's starting to trust, you can see, Theo Weiss more and more that he's going to make the play. And I think when he gets down inside the 20, you're going to start to see Rattler go to Weiss a lot more couple more thoughts on this game from Saturday. I'm glad you mentioned Spencer. We've talked about the defense and its improvement. The defensive line looked great during the press conference show. You heard from Jordan Kelly. I love what he's done. But we haven't talked a lot about Spencer. You know, we talk about his receivers. We talked about his running game. But I, I know that you and Ted kind of joke about this, and I say it a lot. The ball comes out of his hand differently. Toby, he's so smooth. I've really been impressed with how he – he handled his timeout a couple weeks ago, and he's really been a different quarterback since halftime of the OU Texas game. I mean, that's a beautiful touch pass yeah. right there to Seth McGowan. They seem to open up the cannon this week, you know. They, they came in with a game plan, it looked like anyway, that they wanted to test this TCU defense deep. And I don't know officially how many deep shots they took, but here's one no. right there to Weiss. Maybe 8 to 10, somewhere in that neighborhood. Didn't connect on all of them, but connected on – a large percentage. He is showing escapability in the pocket. He was dead to rights right there and was able to get away. I don't know that he's quite figured out the zone read yet, but other than <laughs> that, he has, he's hard to catch. He's slippery back there. He's really good at sidestepping a rusher or giving him the spin move. And then we know he's got a howitzer attached to his right shoulder. So I'm intrigued to see going forward whether or not the deep ball, which has been such a staple of the OU offense in recent years, but really wasn't much, not as much anyway, through the first four games. Whether or not it's back in the arsenal now and Oklahoma's a, a offense that's going to try to take the top off the defense a time and time again throughout the course of a game. Do you guys realize how much Toby Rowland loves these type of comparisons? These are his favorite things. When you look at Spencer through five games, <laughs> I know. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> Craig Moran doesn't like him either, but you can't help but look at the numbers. More passing yards through five games they're than all Kyler. Good. They're, they're all, all good. They're yeah. all really, really good. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, right, exactly. you can't see right now. It's the comparison between Baker, Kyler, Jalen, and Spencer through five games. Completion percentages uh, pretty much the same. Jalen Hurts actually has the highest. Passing yards almost identical across the board. Slight edge to Baker Mayfield. Touchdown to interception ratio. Kyler's got the most TDs and the tied for the fewest picks. But just across the board, they're very, very comparable in all categories. Yeah, impressive. Uh, quick question from Corey on uh, Facebook Live about Charleston Rambo. And, hey, kind of expecting to see a little bit more from him. Dennis Simmons told us in the coach's corner this past week that He's been impressed with Charleston. Their whole goal is to continue to keep him going upfield instead of trying to dance a little bit. But 
Uh, you, you saw him make a catch. I think we had the highlight of it a couple of minutes ago, but he's providing some leadership in that room. And I think it's going to be a situation, Toby, to where you hit this on the head. It's not going to be one go-to guy every single week. It might be Mims. It might be Stogner. It might be Rambo. And I mean, he's got the kind of speed that you want in Charleston Rambo. And I think he's going to continue to contribute. Yeah, we've seen it since he uh, arrived at OU. He's got elite speed that's capable of stretching a defense. He did it many times last year. I think the, the, the thing that maybe he hasn't done as well this year, that's a nice comeback for the ball there, is what we were talking about with, with Weiss and Mims a little bit is when he is in traffic, when he's got hands around him, he seems to be bothered by that. Being able to make the tough catch with a guy laying on him or deep downfield or in a double team has been a bit of a problem for him so far this year. So I think he just needs to get a little stronger in that aspect. Stogner a couple of times on Saturday, let a guy kind of work his way through his back and knock it down when he had a littler guy boxed out, a little stronger with the hands for both those guys. But Charleston Rambo is a fantastic weapon and a guy that really is capable of doing what we were just talking about, which is uh, take the top off of defense and really make him consistently think about that deep ball. Sooners have now won 25 of their last 27 true road games. Since 2012, they are 42-8 and eight in regular season games away from home. That's amazing. And we're heading to Lubbock. Crazy things happen on, on Saturday night in Lubbock where they've won eight straight games. And in those eight straight wins, Toby's, uh, Toby, they've averaged 604 yards of total offense, 294 of those on the ground. Uh, these always just produce I, I don't know if the word would be fascinating, exciting, sometimes confusing moments in the history of Oklahoma and Texas Tech. It's unbelievable what happens there. Well, the 2016 game is the one that, you know, jumps off the page, the Baker versus Patrick Mahomes. You were not a big fan of that, were you? Showdown. Uh, well, I mean, I thought it was a fantastic night. It was a lot of fun. It was Teddy that really hated that ah, night right. so much. But, yeah, what OU's really done well against Tech in recent years, especially in Lubbock, is run the ball. I mean, they've really moved it however they wanted to. But they've been able to go on long, time-consuming drives against Texas Tech and keep the ball away from the Texas Tech offense and beat them up. OU's just been a lot better in the trenches than the Red Raiders have in recent years. And they've leaned on that, and they've taken advantage of it time and time again, whether it's Samaj P. Ryan or Trey Sermon, as you see here, or Rodney Anderson or Kennedy Brooks, the OU running game has had monstrous days against Texas Tech. So we'll see if that's the strategy. I don't know if it will be this week or not, but, you know, we talked a lot about T.J. Pledger and that offensive line seems to be rounding into form. I think it's definitely a possibility that you could see OU lean heavy run game on Saturday. Yeah, we're watching the highlights of the 2019 OU Tech game, and that was, that was pretty much what happened. You know, they just decided that they were going to they're going to deflate the football and hit a couple of big plays. Boy, I missed that guy. Uh, and they ended up rolling away uh, from Texas Tech last season. 38 or more points for the Sooners in each of their last 10 games against Texas Tech. And on Saturday night, we'll see yet another different starting quarterback for Texas Tech. We saw, what, Jet Duffy. We've seen Alan Bowman. And now Saturday night, apparently, we'll see Henry Columbia for David Yost, the offensive coordinator and head coach. Matt Wells and the Sooners dominated last year winning 55 to 16 but uh, Toby it's going to be a fun matchup on Saturday night another opportunity for this team to get to continue to get right I think uh, Tech has some really nice pieces on offense uh, the Columbia kid's been impressive so far 
good thrower of the football, enough athleticism to keep you honest. Um, Sir Roderick Thompson oh. has been a big play guy at running back for them. He's got several carries of 50-plus yards this year. He's a big back, too. And then they've got a very nice stable of wide receivers. Uh, 6'6", TJ Vasher is kind of the headliner there. And you know big receivers and tight ends have given OU fits so far this year. So I expect Vasher, especially down around the goal line, to be a big part of the Texas Tech attack. If he plays. If he plays. Yeah. Eric uh, Azukama. Keyshawn Carter, also wide receivers for them that have had big impact guys. So they've got good weapons on offense. Henry Columbia's a fascinating story. He wasn't he wasn't even a starter at Utah State. And whenever he transferred, a lot of uh, Tech fans were wondering, what this guy never, he was a backup. And he comes in, um, Alan Bowman is really, Alan Bowman, I think, is a good quarterback, Toby. He just, he's been beat up. You know, he's been injured. He had the collapsed lung. He had the shoulder injury last year. So they bring in Columbia. He knows the offense they want, they want, they want to run well. him. He's pretty smooth. He played well on Saturday night. All right, one more quick question from Facebook, and then we'll wrap up with a basketball thought. Tony Yates, liked how the Sooners covered in the secondary impressed with their play defensively. Tony, I think you're right. I think you're starting to see that confidence, and Alex Grinch brought it up. He was asked about it in the postgame. I think you're starting to see more confidence in using that depth and having fresher bodies. Seemed like they consistently rotated three corners. Felt like they rotated Trey Norwood in a lot more. We saw a little bit of Jeremiah Cradell on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning. So I think they're starting to get more and more confident and consistent in what they're doing in the secondary. Teddy talks about it all the time. Uh, it all works together. Yep. And when the defensive line is getting as much pressure as the OU defensive line has been getting and a quarterback never feels comfortable in the pocket, it's amazing how much easier that makes the jobs of the defensive backs. Yep. And quarterbacks, Duggan and Ellinger, are having to get the ball out quicker, and it just it makes life a lot easier. There haven't been free runners like we saw against Kansas State. They have done a much better job. I agree. Basketball schedule's out. Yeah. I know we're in football season, but you fired up for 2020-2021 uh, with Lon Kruger's crew? It's going to be a fun team. You remember how they finished last year yep. with that big comeback win at TCU? They were all set to go to another NCAA tournament, and the rug got pulled out from under them. Everybody's back except for Christian Doolittle off that team. So you got Austin Reeves back. You got Brady Manick back. And a, uh, a whole host of guys who were big contributors for him last year, Davion Harmon. And now here come some other guys, too, some reinforcements that I think are going to be able to help out. Kerr Queth, I thought had a good year last year. They say he's improved a lot. They got a seven-footer named Rick Isanza, seven-foot-one, really nice. good athlete. I think especially on the defensive end, he's going to be able to help them. And you've got an abbreviated schedule here, Chris. So it, they get after it right away. I think their third game is against Florida, and their fourth game is the Big 12 opener <laughs> TCU. against TCU. <laughs> They've got a tough uh, challenge game. The Big East, Big 12 challenge game is against Xavier. It's a really good program. Uh, so, and Texas Tech comes to town before Christmas. So it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And there's not a lot of messing around with 
non-conference rum dums. I mean, they're getting they're getting after it pretty quick. And they've got a doubleheader November 25th. Well, the yeah. OU women and the OU men are going to play. So mark that down on your fun. calendar now. 25% capacity. Log on to Soonersports.com for details. Toby, I'll see you in Lubbock. Should be fun this weekend, right? right stay safe out there, Chris, on the roads. Okay? You too. Be careful. You too. We'll be on the air with the 5 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock kick Saturday night from Lubbock. For Toby Rowland, for Craig Moran, I'm Chris Plank. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Until then, Rudy's tonight for the Lincoln Riley Show. Ooh, we'll find the out. Lincoln Riley Show, maybe not at Rudy's. Okay, tonight. but make sure you're we'll watching tonight. Watch. Lincoln Riley yeah. Show will happen regardless. Listen. 7 o'clock. Huddle before that at 6. Until then, Boomer Sooner, everybody. All right, thanks, Chris. Good to see everybody. I won't be long here because I know this. This uh, we got to go a little bit shorter with us getting ready to start meetings and practice, having to move it because of this uh, nice summer day here in Norman, Oklahoma. So, um, uh Excited to go play Texas Tech. I mean, it's always fun to go down to Lubbock. Always a very challenging place to go play. And and uh, going to go play a team that's got a lot of momentum. Uh, huge win the other night against against West Virginia. Um, played very well, certainly. Uh, looked like their their most complete game of the year um, as, as, you, as you study them and what they've done. And, and uh, so uh, you could tell Coach Wells is – you know, staff, players, everybody's starting to get settled in. I uh, thought the quarterback came in and did a really nice job for them. The other night, really moved the ball well. Uh, tailback's playing really, really good ball for them. A lot of good receivers, as always. Um, very experienced defense. You know, I mean, literally the whole defense is seniors, just about. Just seniors all over the place. A lot of guys that we have played a bunch of ball against. Some impact players there, certainly in the front. Uh, so... We're, we're excited to go play. We've got we've got some momentum of our own. We got to keep building on it. Uh, but like where we're headed as a football team, um, I will just answer the question for you too. I still have nothing new on the on the three suspended players, so I'll let you know when I do. Okay, we'll go to questions. We'll begin with Ryan Avery, the Oklahoman, and then go to Eric Bailey. Yeah, Lincoln, wanted to ask you about uh, Theo Weiss. What kind of growth have you seen from him, you know, even since the season started and, and just uh, the importance of, of the role that he's playing right now uh, in, in that receiver group? Yeah, he's definitely grown. Um, I think, you know, the guy Spencer has a lot of confidence in, uh, you know, has made some big plays. I mean, I think, you know, the, the Texas game was an important game for him because he – he made so many big critical catches in that game um, and kind of made them in different ways. And that, that's been key. I mean, I think he's becoming a more complete receiver. Uh, he's still still got a lot of growth to go, but he's he's making, you know, tough competitive catches. He's made catches down the field. Um, he's doing some decent things after the catch as well. So we're, we're, we're excited about his development, and we've needed it. You know, that's been one of the rooms that, you know, we haven't, you know, really been anywhere near full strength really this entire season, and and so we've needed, we've needed guys to step up, and Theo's certainly been one of the guys that has done that for us. Appreciate it, mm -hmm. Eric Bailey with the Tulsa World, and then Joe Bettner. Hey Lincoln, I know it's way too early to compare Marvin Mims with CD, but do you see flashes of Marvin that remind you of CD as a true freshman? Uh, plus, can you talk just a little more about his punt return game and how he's really transitioned into the type of returner he has? Their skill sets are, are pretty different. Um, the, 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 the comparison to me would be there's, you know, one, they're mentally ready to play at a young age, you know, as far as handling. 
not only picking up the offense, but just handling all that comes along with playing football, you know, at, at, at a university like this. There's just a lot to it. And, and uh, you know, Marvin's a guy that kind of handles all his business off the field. He He's very, very dependable, even at a young age. Kind of feels like he's been here for a long time. And guys that give you that feeling normally, you know, are able to contribute early. Um, uh, so that's that's probably the the biggest similarity. I mean, they both they both have a good feel for the game. They're both tough, competitive kids. They both know that they belong. I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of from the psyche standpoint. There's a lot of similarities. Um, uh, it's punt returner. Yeah, a lot of the same things. I mean, we we gained a trust in him as time went on. I mean, punt returner is one of those things that you can tell pretty quick if a guy wants to do it or not. And everybody says that they want to. And actually, very very few people on your football team actually want to be the punt returner. I mean, it's uh, it takes skill, but it also takes a lot of guts, and uh, it takes somebody that wants that opportunity. And he he showed that showed a dependability for. Catching the ball, making good decisions back there, and, and then he's 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 honestly his after the catch or or with the ball in his hands, he's probably been a little bit more advanced than than we would have guessed. And that he he runs fearless, um, he gets vertical and has outstanding speed and quick and, and uh, quickness. Thank you, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Joe Bettner with the Norman transcript, and then Jason Kersey. Uh, Lincoln, wondering what you make of. Uh, Nick Benito's progress to this point, and I guess overall, your your pass rush seems to seems to have been effective in the you know recent games. I'm curious what you make of, of that group as a whole as well. Yeah, Benito's done a good job. He has. I, I think Nick has improved in a lot of areas. I think I think Jamar has been really good for Nick. Um, I think his his skill set as a rusher has certainly grown. Um, he's 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 certainly got a lot more. Um, I, I think a lot more moves, kind of a, a much bigger arsenal as far as the pass rusher than, than what he's had before. And, and then I think his understanding of the whole defense has improved. And certainly he's been much better in the run game, a lot stronger, more physical uh, at the point of attack. And as far as the pass rush, I mean, it's been great for us that it's been a little bit by committee. Uh, we, we've had contributions from a number of players, uh, which, you know, I know we've talked about at length, you know, in, in this defense, that's, that's what we have to have. And that's what we demand out of our guys. And so... You know, whether it's guys winning one-on-ones or executing games or stunts together, uh, you know, we, we've just been able to get a lot of guys free, and we've done a pretty good job of capitalizing on those pressures. Thanks, Lincoln. Jason Kersey with The Athletic and then John Hoover. Uh, yeah, Lincoln, your run game has obviously gotten better the last couple of weeks, but uh, still haven't averaged four yards of carry yet this year, and I, that's something I think – a lot of us have come to expect uh, that have followed this program for a while. Do you think you're close to your running game looking more like what we're used to seeing? I think so. And honestly, there was a lot of good things. We had about three or four just ridiculously dumb plays the other day that cost us like minus seven, minus eight, minus ten. That honestly, we ran the ball good enough the other day to have well over a four-yard average. So, I mean, we – you know, the, the, they all count. We get that. Um, but I, I think the execution in the run game from the O-line backs was much cleaner. Uh, we got a um, – like I said, we, a couple of really dumb mistakes that we made to just give away free yards, basically, that we've, we've got to do better with. But, yeah, I do think we're closer. I mean, we're, we've popped a few more in the, last, in the last few games, and we've still been so agonizingly close to popping more, which I think we're going to continue to have a chance to do. Um, but yeah, you just – you see the progress each week. We're getting more in sync. Uh, backs are trusting it more. Linemen are, are getting a great feel for working together. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely heading the direction we want it to head. Now, you know, we can't, we can't get there fast enough, so we'll, we'll keep pushing like crazy to, to get it as good as we can here this week in Lowick. 
Thanks, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. John Hoover, SI Sooners, and then James Hale. Hey, Lincoln, you, you said it right off the top. Um, Oklahoma's taken some really elite teams to Lubbock and has almost never really had it easy out there. Um, you played there, you coached there, you've coached as a visitor there. It's almost like the place has a mystique. In your experience, what do you think are some of the factors at play, why it's been so tough? And is this team mature enough to be able to handle such a thing? It just always has. It's uh, it, like I said, I do have a unique perspective, like many on the staff haven't haven't been there. I mean, you know, I I don't want to presume what what Coach Wells or his players are thinking, but I know you know any when you were at Texas Tech or when I was there, any time a you know a Texas or an OU came to town, it was a it was a big deal, um, and and I would imagine that hasn't changed. Um, but it's a big deal for us to go to Lubbock. You know, it's a great opportunity. It's uh, you. Road night games are, are as fun as it gets, and uh, and especially there. I mean, I think every time we've been there too, it's been a night game. Um, so, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, it's challenging road football, and uh, we've you know played against some pretty good players up there the last several years. Um, uh, that you know that have made plays. Our guys have made plays, and there's there's been you know a lot of a lot of back and forth, and uh, so, um, you know, I, last several years been down there. It's you know three of the. You know, three starting NFL quarterbacks playing in those games, just like that. And uh, so, it's uh, you know, it's a fun place to play, but it's also challenging, no question. Um, our maturity, you know, I, I hope that it's grown to that point. I mean, all we do right now is play on the road, apparently. So hopefully, we're getting yeah. used to it. All right, thank you. Okay, James Hale with KREF and then Kerry Murdoch. Lincoln, you've always said special teams were important. And, you know, this year it's been incredibly evident. First couple of games that you lost, you know, special teams just not, not so good. In the games that you've won, they've been really good. And you re reshuffled your coaching staff. Uh, you know, you, you decided to go not with a special teams coordinator. So could you talk about how you how you kind of – what you've got doing what with special teams and, and are you coming on in special teams? Do you feel like you're where you need to be? Yeah, I do. I, I, I'm excited about how we've played there the last last couple of games. Like you said, we've made some just monster plays that have been, you know, either you know momentum shift, shifters or have allowed us to con to continue momentum that that maybe we already had. And uh, we're investing. I mean, we're playing a lot of our best players there. Uh, we've really invested in it from a practice standpoint. Invested in it a lot throughout the quarantine. Spent a lot of time meetings wise with our guys in that in these different phases. Um, you know, Coach Beamer is, is is leading the charge on the majority of our special teams right now. We certainly still we've got other coaches that are heavily involved and honestly a little more heavily than what they've been in the past. Um, you know, in the previous years, Coach Beamer and and uh, Coach Bulwer kind of shared the duties where we've got a few other guys that are coordinating some of the units and doing a nice job. So um, you know, it's uh, it's really been a total staff investment, and uh, you know those guys have done a, a really good job, and our players have been very bought in, which I think is always one of the biggest keys on special teams. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Kerry Murdoch with Sooner Scoop and WWLS, and then Cliff Bryant. Hey, Lincoln, you you had talked about your defensive line earlier, and they've been so good for you. But I know from the outside going into the season, a lot of panic just because your top two returning sack guys weren't going to be starting the season with you. Um, is this maybe the best example of kind of uh, recruiting evaluation development that you were kind of hoping that you would see on that side of the ball when you took over? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know many fronts, you know, that would, 
you know, lose, you know, a high draft pick, you know, lose. I think we lost four other guys, four other seniors on the defensive line last year. And then, like you said, you start the season without arguably your two most talented defensive linemen uh, and still be able to produce uh, the way our guys have. And so I, I do. I mean, I think it first speaks to the the character and the drive in that room of our players. So, I mean, I give our, our, our defensive linemen right now the most credit uh, because they have – They've been the ones to go make the plays and to, you know, to take the hard coaching and to not let the expectations or standard drop in any way because somebody else might not be there. Um, and that's so first and foremost, great job by them. You know, Coach Tibb, Coach Kane have, have done a great job with those guys as well. And I think it does. I mean, I think we've we've hit on some guys from an evaluation standpoint uh, and, and been able to develop some of these guys. I know we've talked about Isaiah, but Jordan Kelly, I think is another great example in there of a guy that's just really continued to develop and get better and better. You know, Marcus Stripling's coming on and doing some nice things. John Michael Terry's really developed through his years here. He was our defensive player of the week last week. So it, it's just, there's just a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of positive vibes there. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of competition and, and guys, you know, we're not we're not paying attention to who's not there. We're just we're just going and playing at a level that we expect to play regardless. And that's that's it's a great mentality for us to have. I'm sorry to follow, but just just I mean, how surprising is that to you just with COVID and all you know, you've said it many times, this is unprecedented getting a team ready to play the season that you've had that many guys step up. Like yeah, it's I mean, we've had to have it. Um but has it been it's been one of has it been one of this team's strong suits this season? Without question. Without question, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just can't say enough about those guys. Thanks, Lincoln. Let's Bront with AP, and then Brandon Drum. Yeah, Coach, what would you say is most responsible for TJ Pledger's increase in production the last couple of games? I think he's just gotten opportunities, and he's just getting settled in. I mean, even though he's been here for a few years, he. You know, he hasn't played a whole lot of ball here yet, um, and certainly not in a lead-back type role. I mean, not anywhere near that. And then, you know, all of a sudden, bam, you go in, you're the guy, and then he had to miss – you know, he wasn't able to play the first game and, you know, missed a lot of time uh, on top of all that. You know, so he's just, he's just kind of getting his feet underneath him. He's starting to understand it, kind of getting a rhythm. Um, I think he's gaining confidence um, in himself, the line, you know, trusting what he's seeing. You just – you just see steps each week, and uh, and he's got a toughness and an attitude to continue to work and get better. So uh, I just think all those combined have, have uh, you know got him headed in a in a very positive direction. And then how much uh, is it the offensive line that's in front of him? It all works together. I mean, it's it's it it all counts the same. I mean, it's the linemen in front of him. It's receivers blocking on the perimeter. It's quarterbacks making good reads. It's me making good calls. It's us scheming it up the right way. I mean, it, it's. There's so many areas that need to go right to play good. And uh, I think, you know, we're all, you know, hopefully learning more about each other and getting a little bit better at all of our jobs as we go through. Brandon Drum with OU Insider and then Keegan Renault. Yeah, Lincoln, can you talk about your secondary? I know they get publicly, the fans, they get upset with a few of them every now and then. But can you talk about how strong they played over, I guess, the last three or four games for you guys? Yeah, they've done a lot of good things. They have. Um, you know, I thought we've eliminated 
you know, last couple of weeks eliminated a few of the just just flat out busts, you know, that we had, and, and really Kansas State was really kind of the last game that we had some had some busts that that obviously you know made a big difference in that game, and then I think we've played a lot smarter too. I mean, we want to we want to play aggressive, but we've been able to not have you know several of the you know holding DPI penalties um, you know throughout the game, so we've. Uh, I think we're getting better, and I think it's helped us being able to play more guys. You know, we've been able to play, you know, Jay Cradells and DJ Grams, you know, playing Norwood more. Um, uh, some of the other young corners have had some opportunities, Broyles. I mean, so we're – I think it's helped us being able to play more guys where we're not relying on those starters playing every single snap. Uh, it's created competition, um, and I think been a, a very healthy thing for us. So we're doing a lot of good things. Yeah, and I get to deal with the public and the secondary. I mean – Defensive lineman makes a mistake, or a lot of other players on the football field, you don't always see it. And when a secondary guy makes it, it's 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 normally out in the open field, and where you know every single person's watching that game, their eyes are right there. So that's it's the nature of playing the position. Uh, but we're we're uh, we're doing a lot of good things in the secondary, um, and uh, again, I like the competition and depth that we have in there right now. Has Bryson Washington come along a so, you know, he came in and played uh, on kickoff team for us there at the end uh, of our game the other day and got in there and made, made solo tackles on both of his kickoff reps, which was great to see. So a lot of times for a young guy, that's the start. You get in an opportunity on special teams, uh, you go make some plays, you catch people's eye, and, and then opportunity on the offensive or defensive side of the ball normally shows up soon after. Keegan Renault, Sooners Wire, and then Lee Benson. Lincoln, obviously, you want to be undefeated and have everything going in the right direction. But just with your guys' youth, your inexperience, COVID, the year 2020 and everything, could this kind of just be a blessing in disguise for what could be coming in the future for you guys? Um, I mean, I, I'm definitely excited about the future, but uh, the future's in the future. You know, I'm, we're locked in on this team and trying to go win in Lubbock. And I think this team's got a really good run left in them. And uh, so that's – I am excited about the future. I certainly don't want to dole that. There's, there's, I think, a lot of great signs. But but this team's got a lot of really good things ahead of it. So I don't want to get too far in front of ourselves. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Lee Benson with KWTV and then Jenny Carlson. Hey, Coach, I wanted to ask you a follow-up on the secondary. Uh, five games in, what are your thoughts on Trey Norwood's play considering – uh, what he's coming back from. And do you still consider him a, a flexible player position-wise, or do you like him now as that strong safety coming in for DTY or, or also the 6D back when you guys win a dime? Yeah, he's he, he certainly gives us a lot of flexibility. Uh, you know, we've been trying not to overuse him at too many spots so that, you know, we, we don't water him down, so to say. But he is uh, – yeah, I think he's really done a good job coming back from his injury. I think he's getting closer and closer to full speed. Um, you know, you could still tell early on in the year that he was still working his way back. But he's uh, he's at a good place right now. And I think just getting his feet back under him, getting used to being back out there playing, um, you can just see his confidence growing each and every week. So we've liked him. We've liked him at Strong. You know, he's done a nice job filling in there and been able, like you said, to get him some some reps and some of our packages, but um, yeah, the, his value is still sky high because mentally he can he can play any position in the secondary. Thank you. Okay, Coach Essie, going to meetings here. It looks like our last question will be Jenny Carlson with the Oklahoman. Hey, Lincoln. I know you referenced earlier that Isaiah has been a guy that has been talked about quite a bit the last few weeks, but 
Um, being a Tulsa guy, being an Oklahoma kid from the state, you've got several Oklahoma guys on that defense. But what do you see as the value in having um, having guys from the state of Oklahoma as as central parts uh, of a unit like like those guys are in defense? Yeah, it's important, I, and and maybe just central parts of our team. Um, you know, we we do recruit nationally. We do. You know, there's not many places we won't go, and that we don't have a shot at a, at a player. But uh, there's always still an importance of having you know a presence from from your home state. I mean, and and. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys grew up watching this place, um, seeing all the great teams, great players that have come through here. Um, their families did, and I think I think I think that's important. You know, I think it helps teach you know some of our maybe player from out of state that doesn't know as much about our history when they come in about the place and this expectations and 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 the fact that they can. You know, they're, they're still – these Oklahoma guys on our team are still, even though they're here at the university, are still quote-unquote home, um, where a lot of our guys are coming from hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. And uh, I think that helps kind of create that, that family atmosphere here and that feeling of home that, that we aim to, to have and, and be able to, you know, put in front of our players. And uh, so I, I think it's important on very, very many levels. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.